0: Um, that's it. Uh, that's it. Tw- 20, 20 odd years. If we finally run out of things to say <laughs> to <out> each other right <laughs> now, It's nothing more edition of films on trial i'm gav I'm, Alice. I'm joel i'm dave and i'm austin and this week we continue with our guilty pleasure season as each one of the films on trial gang pick a film that they really enjoy despite feeling that it is not generally held in high regard and then they put it on trial and this week it's the turn of joel Who has chosen to put the best installment of the worst trilogy in the Star Wars series, (laughs) Revenge of the Sith, on trial? Is it, hmm, that's good Sith, or is it, (laughs) or is it, oh dude, I just Sith my pants? That is good.
1: Yeah, you really like that one, didn't you? I did, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one, that one. It's yeah. been a while <laughs> since one's really but, made it. Mean, the one that's really chuckling at that one is the one who wrote it himself. <laughs> 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 He's really loving that one.
0: Essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming Sith list? Let's find out. I promise that's the last Sith (laughs) Sith joke I'm going to make. But before we go on, let's talk about our last trial, which was the acclaimed 2005 action horror, sci-fi game adaptation, Doom. Lots of hyphens there, lots of slashes. Dave, you judged that trial and you deemed that Doom should unfortunately be placed on the shit list. You've since gone away and you've watched Doom. What do you think? Did you make the right
2: call? Yes or no? Of course I did. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, is there any doubt? I I understood what you were saying. Saying I I I like shit films like you do, especially like shit horror or shit action films. And you said this might be on the cusp. You know what? It it's not completely awful. There's a couple of redeeming features to it, but only a couple. It's it's really not a very good film, I'm afraid. Uh, poor performances, poor special effects, um, which given it was the Stan Winston studio, that really was a shame. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't have a great deal going for it, I'm afraid. But you know what? It is kind of like a very, very, very poor man's Event Horizon or Resident Evil or Aliens. So you know what? It, it, yeah, I can see the appeal. But it's absolutely on the right list, and I'll have I'll, there won't be a retrial on this one.
0: Okay. I mean, I, there was a,
1: there's a lot of I only, there. I would <laughs> only disagree in it that in the sense that I'd say that event horizon is a poor man's event horizon, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Let's not open up this kind of way. I'm fine with doom just, being just, placed just, on the shit list. I'm did. fine with that. <laughs> you slander Event Horizon one more time, and I will cut the brakes on that car. <laughs> <laughs> Now, as mentioned before, this week it is Joel's turn to pick A Guilty Pleasure, and he has picked the 2005 epic space opera, Star Wars 3, Revenge of the Sith. I thought like space opera was a bit of a joke. I thought that was something like We Will Rock You the Musical, but that's what it's called, a space opera. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I genuinely didn't know that was a thing. Anyway, so I'm getting off track here. Joel, why have you decided to pick this film?
3: Because I like Star Wars, but I've also tricked you because it's not a guilty pleasure, it's just a pleasure. (laughs) Damn you, Joel.
0: (laughs) So you're telling me that you can watch this film and then at the end you don't have this wash of guilt run through your body like while you're sat there in a sweaty mess. We're not Um, not all you, Gav.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I cry, but for different reasons
0: okay okay good stuff right well thank you on to the trial itself all of the roles with the exception of your role joel have been picked out of the hat at random and all of today's insults are descriptions of star wars characters from star wars fandom so don't hate the player hate the game so acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is as i've said before joel and joel is just like yoda a sage instructor He is known by his colleagues to have a penchant for mischief and practical jokes, and he is famous for saying, size matters not, look at me, judge me by by my size, (laughs) and it it is important to note that he was completely bollock naked when he said that at the time, (laughs) and joining Joel will be Dave. (laughs) Dave. sorry
1: (laughs) oh oh dear Dave
0: no I'm just laughing at how funny I find myself um (laughs) and Dave is just like C3PO as played by Anthony Daniels rather polite and quirky towards his companions although he can be sarcastic and indignant when mistreated by individuals also rather cowardly as shown when he fled in terror when attacked by Imperials Remember that, Dave. Remember. When you, remember remember when the you, when you You taunted those Imperials and then they, they turned around I mean, and attacked, but you fled I mean, and then they murdered all those people. I'll admit, I've never seen How Do I With The Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Disgraceful behavior. Anyway, moving on <laughs> to the prosecution who were trying to get this film placed on the shit list. And first up is Alex. And Alex is just like Obi-Wan Kenobi as played by Hugh McGregor. No. During much of his time as a youngling, he was known to be rebellious and willful. He then developed his traits of patience and foresight, growing into a selfless yet cautious teacher. And in his latter years, he appeared as a kindly and eccentric old hermit, being described (laughs) by those unfamiliar with him as a crazy old man. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Yeah, there's, there's some nice bits in there, I'll, uh, I'll yeah, I think uh, To be honest, man, I think it's pretty apt. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> uh, joining Alex will be Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like Anakin Skywalker, as played by Hayden Christensen. As a child, he showed kindness and generosity. But as he grew older, he became cocky, reckless, impatient, willful <laughs> and cavalier. He also demonstrated a complete lack of subtlety and those around him noticed <laughs> that although he had all of the tools needed to choose the path of the light, he made the conscious decision not to. And also he, he likes a cape. <laughs> 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 now, just like real court advocates of defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles, these may or may not be their real opinions though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. And in the role of judge who has to decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is me. And I'm just like Darth Sidious. Is it Darth Sidious? I don't know. As played by Ian McDermott. Is that the right character? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was careful to put on a charade, presenting myself as a gentleman and a good servant of the public. But I kept my inner anger secret, waiting for the days to reveal it. Finally freed from having to portray my gentle alter ego, I allowed my true personality, one of great cruelty and sadism, to occasionally shine. Occasionally. (laughs) Okay, yeah, occasionally. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry, uh, quite lengthy, lengthy descriptions, but as I said before, quite apt, I think. Uh, anyway, before we get on to the trial, I think we should probably give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So we're going to spin the wheel of impressions. Well, I say that, but Joel, you're just going to do the impression because it's your pick. But I'll spin the wheel anyway, because I like the sound that it makes. What was that sound? It's the sound of a turkey. And uh, uh, it, it hasn't landed on you, but let's just say it has. So what Joel <laughs> has to do here is read out the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So how would we like Joel to read this out?
1: Go for the emperor.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pal- Pal-
2: Palpatine.
1: Yeah. After, you know, once he's a big old shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Big Uh old shit,
3: Palpatine.
1: Big old shit, Palpatine.
3: Palpatine. Oh, God. Three years (laughs) into the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan pursues a new threat. (laughs) While Anakin is lured by Chancellor Palpatine into a Sidious plot to rule the galaxy.
4: That's really
3: good. (laughs) That's pretty
4: good. Good one.
0: Well done. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for that, Joel. I am the judge this week. I'm going to start right now by telling you that every Star Wars film is pretty shit in my eyes, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's all bollocks. Uh, You've got a pretty big up. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Joel, tell me why this film should be placed on the hit list,
3: please. It's just a good film. Okay. Moving on, prosecution. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. (laughs) No, it's. um...
0: Oh, I'm torn. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Joel, give me a bit of an overview of what this film is about. Uh, Obviously, we've just done The Phantom Menace quite recently, so I know what happened there, unfortunately. And I've got a bit of a vague recollection of what happened in The Clone Wars as well. But the reason I'm judged today is because I've never actually seen the third film. I was working at the cinema at the time, the second one came out, I watched it too many times. I didn't like it and I just said to myself, I'm not gonna watch the third one ever again. And I haven't to this day, but I promise I will after this decision today has been made. So Joel, give me a bit of an overview what it's about and why you think it should be placed on the hit list.
3: Well, you've deprived yourself massively there, but it starts off as a much kind of older, Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin and it's basically in a nutshell that the tale of Anakin finally kind of succumbing to the dark side and becoming Darth Vader Uh, so you said it yourself it's like the last part of the the prequel trilogy get it spot on and I think they did they did just that in this film we'll go into the characters and things like that a lot more later on but I feel like the characters especially are very well kind of defined in the in the this edition. Uh, the the thing I like most though is is probably the plot, and just because it's a film made for Star Wars fans first of all, and there's so many kind of like different layers and things like that that you can take from the film if you are a Star Wars fan. But I think it also appeals like if you're not a Star Wars fan, uh, for one thing, you know who doesn't like lightsabers? They've got to be, you know, one of the coolest weapons literally around. And some of the choreography and things like that, which I'm sure, again, we will touch on in the action scenes. But some of that for me is is like leading industry standard and that type of thing. Uh, but overall, in terms of the plot, I think it's really kind of intriguing because it's one of those that we've kind of mentioned in, in these kind of podcasts before where you obviously know what's going to happen. You know Anakin is Darth Vader, so you know, you know that that's how it's going to end. He's going to become Darth Vader. But kind of part of the intrigue is kind of watching it unfold and kind of feeling powerless as like an audience member to, you know, be able to change how it unfolds because you can see how Anakin is manipulated by uh, Chancellor Palpatine, who is obviously Darth Sidious, who we already know. And you can also see how his attachment to, to Padme is used against him and why the Jedi kind of forbid attachment and that type of thing. But then there's also a flip side to that where you can see... That the Jedi are, you know, pretty much up their own arses a lot of the time. And it, it, it's a lot of searching in woods and that type of thing that that they needed to do. So I think, as I said, you've got episode one, you've got episode two. They've both got good bits in it, but overall, they were probably more missed than hit. Whereas this one, I think they re- really rounded it up nicely. And as I'll say it again like, if you're a Star Wars fan, I think there's a lot to like here. I think after the original trilogy for me this is like my favorite film i'm sure like the prosecution will will disagree with me because i i think being star wars and sci-fi it's it's the same with star trek anything like that i I just think it's easy if you're not like a fan of that film or that series to to take it apart type of thing but if you look into my eyes then you'll see
1: (laughs) (laughs) come on show me look into the camera joel <laughs>
4: oh shit,
3: say yeah, it's a film that'll stay with you and i think it as i've said before it, they're made especially for star wars fans because there's there's so much kind of depth in there i don't think anything at all comes close to like the universe as well that star wars has made for itself um you can see that in, in today you know like the all the spin-offs that type of thing as A summary of the the plot and the film. It's just an exciting version of Star Wars.
2: Okay, thank you
0: very much, Joel. I'm going to hand it over to Alex now. Uh, Joel said essentially that this is the best of the three prequel films, but that's essentially like saying that Doom was the best video game adaptation of 2005 it's true but (laughs) (laughs) didn't have much competition now Joel's also saying that this was a film that was made for Star Wars fans but appeals to non-fans is that not the case Alex is it just not as good as the original trilogy
1: this is the best of three films and that's possibly true because it's just coherent the other two films were I think we can all agree are just shit you know uh, the first one we even put on the shit list ourselves the second one has that famous sand dialogue between Padme and uh Anakin which you know I'm sure you've seen many many times Gav you know it's it's famously bad I mean the the second one I don't even remember the plot at least the first one has the pod racing this one is basically coherent so you know it took him two films but he got there but that's why it stands out really You know, Joel said that the main draw of this is the descent of Anakin into the dark side. And that is, you know, you're sort of thinking, finally, we're there. We probably should have got there a little while ago, but finally we're there. Let's go. And it just fails to deliver every single time. You know, the film starts off quite strong where, you know, it starts off with this sort of like giant space battle where they're just doing this adventure like, Ha ha ha. I'm glad you saved me from those Davlox on, you know, Blah Blah Nine or something. All this like not great dialogue, but whatever. We get into it, and they have a fight with Count Dooku, not a great name, but Christopher Lee, so great, <laughs> great actor, you know. So that that sort of balances that out. And he's, you know, and he's fine in it, but you know, he dies instantly. And you know, he fights Anakin, um, and Anakin has a point when he's on the on his knees, and uh, Anakin has a moment where <laughs> Joel, <and laughs> Anakin has the has his lightsaber on his shoulder, right, and he's about, <laughs> and he's got the uh, the killing blow on count dookie <laughs> he's got the <laughs> he's got the killing blow he's about to like whip his lightsaber across and, and, and finish him off <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll grow up now uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah and it's like you know the, the emperor or palpatine as he still is it's like you know go on you know kill him and he, and he kills him and it's quite a quite an impactful moment You're like, oh my god anakin's just killed someone you know that's not very jedi-ish of him you know that's not really what you do but the way Anakin talks about it, it, it's honestly like someone who's struggling to like not eat as much cake saying, oh, you know, I shouldn't really, honestly, Hayden Christensen's thing is this. <laughs> it's like, oh, I shouldn't really kill him. And the Emperor's like, no, no, do it. And he's like, all right. And he kills him. And he's like, no, that wasn't really the Jedi way, was it? it the, the impact on Hayden Christensen is is nil. And And I don't really, you know, normally I know we have casting characters later, but I've got to bring Hayden Christensen into this straight away, really. He tanks this film and it's not his fault. It's the same thing that happened to Jake Lloyd. New actors don't do well with George Lucas at all that. You know, Terrence Stamp Natalie Portman just about got away with it. You know, but the new ones that are coming up, the the debuts, the introducing Lucas is just a terrible first director to have had. So I don't I don't blame Hayden Christensen. He was in other films that were better, but his emotion is it's honestly it's just nothing. And then we go straight from that impactful moment where you feel like, oh, Anakin's crossed the line here so his descent has begun no we're straight back into this adventure nonsense basically where like you know and uh you mcgregor's saying stuff like sith lords are our speciality and you know and, and another happy landing when they land the spaceship <laughs> just goes straight into that and, and all the sort of impact of his descent has gone then when he's going on to the the jedi he starts to lose his faith in the jedi but he says you know um the Emperor's trying to get him over to his side. And you know, Anakin again, Hayden Christensen says, I have to admit, my trust in him has been shaken. Again, a bit like he's talking about the weather. There's just not that kind of like shock behind his performance. And how has he not figured it out at this point? A Palpatine goes, Well, I know some ways to keep people alive because he's worried about Padme's death. How has he not figured? You know, I mean, it's co- it's like, come on, Anakin, you're not this. Maybe you're a powerful Jedi, but you're pretty thick at this point, you know. And then finally, when the reveal comes and it's like, I'm the Sith Lord, you know, uh, he goes, "Uh, you're the Sith Lord, oh my God. And, you know, he's like, would you like to kill me? And honestly, the line he goes is like, I would certainly like to. It's just (laughs) shocking dialogue, given shockingly. You know, he pretty much goes straight into the Emperor. Then when he, he should be evil at that point, right? At that, but it, it goes too quick. He goes straight from like, mace windu the samuel jackson guy comes in he cuts his arm off as everyone always gets things chopped off and blasts them at the window and then he goes straight to being evil so there's no descent. you go sort of like this plateau not really evil not really evil and then he's straight into this like then he's killing kids in a jedi temple do you know what i mean so you've gone straight it's like the whole trilogy you're waiting for this descent and it happens in a scene he just goes into a straight straight up child killer you know and and it's just it not very impactful it's not very shocking and let me
3: just ask you something alex you know when you have a bad day at school no i'm not gonna i will not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i refuse to even let that question be asked
1: Uh, and the other thing about it right is you never see anakin really becoming this exceptional jedi you know that anakin's got to be the best jedi ever and yeah he has a few saber fights but you never really see he's not that bright to be honest and he's not really that good at, you know, he never shows this incredible skill. And then, you know, the final bit where you actually think the film is like, oh, right, it's his fight with Obi-Wan, you know? And they cross swords and you're like, oh my God, this is the moment. But but then again, he's just killed kids, so you're not really quite there, you know? And you cut this thing that Star Wars always does, and it's done it all the way through the films, is they cross lightsabers, and then you cut to Yoda fighting the emperor. So you cut straight away from the impactful moment. So. I'm not saying it doesn't happen you know i'm not saying that the plot isn't coherent and these things happen but the way that lucas has made the film yet again takes away every single dramatic ounce of what is just it is just a straight open goal to make this dramatic the descent of anakin to darth vader you had the padme thing you had all the ingredients you had the loss of padme great idea dooku's death great idea being held over by the emperor all good ideas and premises poorly executed from the performance of hayden Christensen to the just the dialogue that cannot like just cannot do anything to just scenes that keep cutting away from the actual action you're interested in to further some plot you're not so yeah it's uh it's the best of the three by far but it's still a, a woeful woeful film
0: oh okay pretty damning stuff um alex said that it's not very well executed which is also a bit of a metaphor because Darth Vader wasn't very well executed, was he, Dave?
2: <laughs> what do you mean, Gav? What do you mean he wasn't executed? He well, died of his injuries. He wasn't executed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he means Obi-Wan didn't do a great job when he cuts his arms and leg off. Yeah, he did didn't <laughs> do it. He did do a very good job. He just basically. walks off like he's fat. <laughs> I'll, I'll let the lava do that to my best friend.
0: <laughs> so, Dave... Uh, It doesn't sound good, to be honest. It sounds like there is a good overall plot, this sort of like Anakin turning to the dark side, but perhaps it wasn't very well executed and it was a bit rushed. I think one of my issues with The Phantom Menace was the fact that the whole prequel trilogy is supposed to be about Anakin and how he became Darth Vader. And yet that doesn't really feature within the Phantom Menace even feels like a bit of a secondary character within his own film. Is it the case that perhaps they didn't do enough in the first two films and they felt like they had to rush that sort of character arc within this third film? And that's why it was a little bit messy. Or is Alex exaggerating a little bit? Is it actually quite well executed and well planned out
2: I think he's ex- exaggerating a bit there. I think it's very well executed. I mean, remember George Lucas had a vision for this whole trilogy. Now Phantom Menace is a film in its own right. You know, if you don't like how little Anakin Skywalker there isn't there, that's a problem for Phantom Menace, but that problem is remedied here in Revenge of the Sith. And it started to be remedied in Attack of the Clones as well. Anakin's descent does not begin and end with him turning on on Mace Windu and then trashing the temple it you know it starts in the second one as well when after his mum dies he goes on a bit of a killing spree of the tuscan raiders he loses his temper there and and butchers them and it's uh <laughs> this genocide now now not the younglings Anakin. <laughs> but he butchers a whole tribe of sand people in in the second film so that was the beginning of his descent when he attacks the Tusken Raiders, and it carries on throughout this film, the death of Count Dooku, where he executes an unarmed man. Literally, he disarmed. He cut off his arms. He disarmed him. He executes <laughs> him. Technically, <laughs> dishanded or disris? Dishanded. Oh, the- it was kind of like it was kind of just below the elbow. We could call <laughs> sure. that arm, okay. I think. <laughs> we'll agree on that one. That's probably the only thing we'll agree on. This whole this whole podcast. Like it reminds
0: me of Total Repo. For years, I thought yeah. you know that bit where Michael Ironside's character loses his arms. I thought yeah. for years so like i said i had to disarm him but he didn't <laughs> i just made that
2: up that's just i wish i wish you mcgregor like walked in after he'd, he'd done that to, to christopher lee and just been like what happened and i had to disarm him just, i would have <laughs> loved them to make that happen but now his descent is is staggered throughout the trilogy maybe not so much in phantom menace i grant you but that wasn't well received. Maybe the issue with Phantom Menace was that we didn't see enough of Anakin's story and it was too much setting the scene and too much Darth Maul, too much Qui Gon Jin. You know, there wasn't enough going on to actually bring the plot forward to the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six. That's all corrected here. It started with episode two and it's corrected completely in episode three. This is a good script insofar as the story is excellent. This is a story we all expected. It's like you're watching the Titanic. You know you know what's going to happen. You know how this is going to play out. We all know that Anakin is going to turn to the dark side and that is going to become Darth Vader. It's how it plays out that we're interested in. And that's where this film triumphs, because it keeps you engaged. It has these action set pieces. It has this character development. It's slow and it's meticulous. You know, you've got the scene with Anakin Skywalker and Yoda, where you start to see the darkness is, is ebbing through him now. He's starting to be conflicted. He's starting to be turned to Palpatine's side. And it's, it, it's a decent performance, I would say, from Hayden Christensen. I will admit the issue was dialogue that's the where this film falls down but only falls down as i fall down stumbles stumbles a little over dialogue and that's a bit of a george lucas problem he admits it himself his dialogue is sometimes a bit stilted and that's really the main issue but it's the only real issue i can think of you know like i say anakin's descent has already begun um i don't think it's an issue with intelligence either the fact that emperor palpatine was well chancellor palpatine was under their noses as a sith lord this entire time that's kind of the point it the arrogance of the Jedi that kind of led to them overlooking Palpatine in the first place. You know, he it's his ability to conceal himself and the fact they're so reliant on their abilities to kind of gauge someone to feel someone's feelings and thoughts. They'd expect that if there was someone so entwined with the dark side in the same city as them, they would have detected him ages ago. And they haven't. And it's their arrogance and hubris which leads to the downfall of the Jedi. So it's not lack of intelligence or stupidity but rather arrogance i think that leads that one apart and it's it's testimony to just how powerful that darth sidious emperor palpatine whatever you want to call him is that he has been able to successfully conceal himself in the jedi's backyard you know somewhat literally and yeah so i think you know the death of of count dooku is necessary even though we go we miss christopher lee for the rest of the film it's (laughs) great to see him back he had a big role in the second one He's back briefly in this one and his death is needed because it starts the rapid descent after Anakin has started to fall. This is where he starts free falling after the death of Dooku. And I think the plot was well-written. I think the only flaw really I can, I can see where Alex is coming from is dialogue. Other than that, I think this was a triumph for George Lucas. He did what the fans wanted him to do and he did it with a plum. It was entertaining.
0: Hey, thanks Steve. So I'll obviously- see
2: That actually
0: does sound pretty good, to be honest. It sounds like this film is packing a bit of a punch. I seem to remember, and bearing in mind, it has been a good few years since I've watched the second film, that I wasn't as excited as maybe I felt like I should have been watching a Star Wars film. I definitely wasn't excited watching The Phantom Menace recently because that was just like a CGI nightmare. Uh, But... This does sound like it packs a bit of a punch and there's lots of action here. Do you disagree? I mean, how how is the action
5: here? I completely agree. There is a lot of action here. The problem what you've got is that there is four hours worth of action jam-packed into a two-hour long film. Everything that they should have done in the other two films, they tried to cram into this. So so Alex is completely right that the descent is almost instantaneous. There's no time for you to like for me the, the the prequels should really have been the setup. The whole point of it is like and we've talked about this before is the whole point of it is to set up who is Darth Vader. Like, why is he such a bad guy? And why is his redemption at the end of the first trilogy so important? You know, that's the whole point of this that is a really, a really big thing. And yet we don't know who he is. We just know who Anakin is, you know. And then suddenly he becomes, you know, he, he's a bad guy. I'm a bad guy, and then I'm Darth Vader. You know, you go to the lava planet, we all know what's going to happen. He becomes Darth Vader. And and the action is, is great if you enjoy watching the first two films over and over again. People can't act in front of a green screen. We we proved that in the last two, in the, in the last two films. And he's just done more of the same. It's, um, it, it is wooden, you know, across the two things. It, it does have all the promise and all, everything Dave said, it's got a hint of truth to it. You know, you can, you can think that it is, it's got the, all the hallmarks of a great story. It's got all the hallmarks of a nice redemption uh, or the, the beginning, you know, of, of a new trilogy. But it's just not there. It really is. It's a bit, I mean, it, it it's just more green screen nonsense. And the acting is, the acting is so poor and the the dialogue is so poor that it just really, it feels like a joke rather than, than a serious blockbuster film. So it's, it's actually really quite, quite boring, but it shouldn't be because it's action packed. It's too much action within the, the space of time. They're just trying to wrap up all the loose ends and actually do the character arc within one film when they had three films to do it in.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Ozzy. So yeah, it does actually sound like maybe that could have been a reason for some of the poor performing, some of the poor performances as well. If there's quite a lot of green screen used, maybe quite a lot of CGI characters, sometimes it can be hard for young and experienced actors to act opposite something that isn't there. And one thing that did really fuck me off about the Phantom Menace was just how overly reliant on CGI that they were. Joel, is that the case here? Is it a case that they use far too much green screen or is it a case that actually it's quite nicely balanced? And and also as well, a, a side point, what is the general sort of direction like within this? One of the biggest arguments from Phantom Menace was that it was George Lucas who had control over everything, and maybe it was a bit too much for him to do all of the producing, directing, writing, script editing, et cetera, et cetera. How does he rise to the challenge here?
3: Uh, So I'm just gonna quickly touch on a few points briefly first, if that's okay. So uh, what I would say about kind of not enough Anakin and, and the Descent Into the Dark Side being too fast is, I think it's just one of those points that perhaps you miss if you don't watch all the films kind of back to back and when i say back to back i don't mean in just like one session things like you know the phantom menace it's kind of implied i think that you know if koi hadn't died then anakin would have been taught by koi and perhaps that would have led down a different path so all, all these events that it shows you while they, it might not be super obvious they're all interlinked and they're all kind of have a point in the story of anakin like becoming Darth Vader I would also kind of take a point at saying the dialogue is poor I think classically you know Star Wars the dialogue isn't always been you know that great I think that that's kind of a given but I think there's also so many iconic lines even in this film uh, you know you've got things like you know it's over I've got the high ground this is where the fun begins you've got like Hello there. You know, there's there's so many good lines in this film, and while they're not like Oscar-winning lines or anything, I would struggle to find somebody who's into film who doesn't know these lines. You know, I think they're that iconic. In terms of the battles, you know, we've spoke about green screens. I completely disagree. This is a film set in space. You know, look at something like Avengers Endgame that got criticized for using green screens and yet it was probably one of the best of conclusions of you know, like a set of films ever essentially in terms of storytelling and that battle they couldn't have done that without it was green screen if you if you said to me that they're going to use you know like a real world environment and that type of thing i would say you're wasting your time and i think it's exactly the same here the environments are too big and too complex to do anything use a green screen and I think that'll always be the case for a lot of Star Wars unless it's environments like Tatooine like the battles in space the big kind of lightsaber battles they're always going to be CGI and I think it looks really really good here like if you watch the film now you wouldn't think it's you know approaching 15 20 years old um you you just really wouldn't I think it was miles miles ahead of its time and to touch on the action as well I think it's absolutely amazing you know the battle at the end between Anakin and Obi-Wan i think choreography and both execution of the fight itself is just absolutely outstanding if you if you watch it back the speed at which they fight is absolutely amazing and considering they're using like real swords as well um you know it it, it really is an outstanding piece of like choreography i think that for me is probably one of my favorite cinematic duels like ever And I take Alex's point that it does cut in and out, but I think that's so you can see what is going on at the same time as that battle, Uh, because obviously there's that famous line, you know, Order 66, it kind of cuts in and out so you can see what is happening at that same time, but from different points of view of the characters, because it it all kind of plays a part into leading into the, the kind of failure of the Jedi, if you like, and all the Jedi being killed. And I spoke before about kind of how it's, like really richly laid and things like that. If you're a a Star Wars fan, there's a lot of different things that you can take from the film. Uh, For example, you know, this is getting quite nerdy now, but like the the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin, there's like a certain sequence where it looks like they're just kind of waving their lightsabers around, but actually what is happening is Obi-Wan uses like a certain lightsaber form which is like very defensive and Anakin is kind of jostling for an opening and he can't can't find one Uh, so that's what's happening there like and there's just so many things like that that you can get your teeth into if you are as I say a Star Wars fan Uh, and also like to kind of mention the world building here as well I, I kind of briefly touched on it before in my last argument but I think the world building here is the best out of literally any film any TV series you know I think you could make infinite amount of films from star wars and uh so overall i would say what alex and uh austin have said is complete fucking shite <laughs> okay okay <laughs>
5: The hell I, of a summary john can i touch on the world building i think there's no doubt that george lucas has got a lot going on in his mind you know a lot of uh a lot of things he's clearly you know, on another planet almost literally with, the, with this film and this sequence of films. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And there'd be nothing wrong with that across all nine films and all of the other, you know, nonsense that was put out to go with it. That's totally fine. You can build a, a massive world. But don't try and throw all of it into the one film. Like, in the first, I think you'd be hard-pressed hard to find someone who doesn't know... If you showed them a picture of that bar in um, whatever wherever film it was, the cantina with
3: the band. Yeah, so in Episode the cantina, so yeah.
5: everyone would know that's tattooing. Anyone who's ever seen a film knows that that's tattooing. It's very obvious. I couldn't tell you any planets that were used on this uh, uh, film. they so if fucking. If you would have
3: put a
0: gun to my head and said, tell me the planet that this fucking cantina was on. I would have been uh, okay lying. maybe not but... i've life. got
2: to admit you know <laughs> the original star wars trilogy's got 30 years on these you know give it time maybe we will start knowing these places a, a lot more
5: i'm never going to watch this film again
3: i will bet you <laughs> good money. i'll see that you're uh that your co-prosecutor alex could name about five to ten star wars planets easily no <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. um, <laughs> um, that, that's
5: all I just I just think that it, it sort of hammers home my point is that yes he's got a lot of ideas and there's a lot of things which he wanted to get across within this trilogy he tried to do shit loads in one and two this time around trying to get it back on track with the main film the original film but he had to make up for all of the lost time that he didn't spend doing it in this and I think that just covers it so they try to cover shitloads of planets shitloads of just areas so you can piece together the story and it just means that all of it loses a bit of impact there's so many good scenes if you just wrote the scene down and said oh yeah this happens in this film you'd be like fuck about it that's got a lot of impact that's that must have some gravitas when when Anakin finally turns on Obi-Wan that must be a really great thing oh they're on a lava planet that must be really fucking impressive. But it's not. It loses all the impact because it's not given enough time to breathe because there's so much to cram in. And and that just, just wants to hammer home that point, really, that there's too many things happening.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying as well, uh, Ozzy, in that there can be good and bad elements to this as well. You know, for every let it be or hey, Jude, you've got, the frog chorus, you know, and it, it sounds like there's a lot of frog choruses in this prequel trilogy, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, Gungans as well.
4: <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I, I'm just just while we're with the prosecution, if it's okay, Alex, is there anything else you wanted to come back on with regards to the action, the direction? Just anything else about I think we've we've said enough about the story and the plot. Yeah, anything else that you want to come back on that well, Joel might have did- said?
1: Well, i'd agree with joel you know george lucas has done a great job the world building is excellent in star wars it's some of the best in sci-fi i'd say and he's an excellent producer like i'd say that would that would definitely be his role you know he came up with great concepts it'd be fantastic at all the production stuff but when it gets into writing especially he's he's terrible you know he just cannot write believable dialogue between characters and his direction is boring at worst and just abysmal uh you know it it it, it the cgi stuff i understand what joel said when he's saying that lots of things you know this is a big world it's sci-fi obviously things are going to be but do we need to sci- cgi rooms that people are sitting in is that necessary he's just throwing it in for no reason because he enjoys the cgi far more than just sitting down and writing believable dialogue that's what that's where his strength is you know ozzy's completely right there's, this film is packed full of just extra stuff you know there's this general grievous character who you never really get to know his backstory. Seems like some sort of lizard robot with lightsabers. All great, great merchandise opportunity. And there's this huge bike ride where they're going round and round and round and they're cutting away and they're coming back. Huge fight on the Wookiee home planet where we meet things. All of this extra stuff. And we're just missing all of this stuff that's the actual descent of Anakin to become Darth Vader because we're just rolling around looking at all this other stuff that George Lee. You know just... what
3: that planet's called?
1: A Kashyyyyk. Uh... <laughs> 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 uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> i just i just didn't want to i didn't want to undercut my uh you know my esteemed uh prosecutor body. <laughs> moving on from that the dialogue is infamously bad you know yes we know it but we know that i have a higher ground because it makes no fucking sense whatsoever darth vader's the first line we see when darth vader is there is he says like where's bad me and you know the emperor says he's, she's dead she killed him and he literally stands and goes no Oh, in the it is just i remember being in cinema cinema and just like hold it i'm not even a big star wars fan but i remember just holding my head in my hands because just cringing for everyone connected to making this film the fact that that's the first thing is just looking up and going no oh it's it's un- <laughs> fucking believable, to be honest that's the that's the only time we ever him. the main thing i want to talk about right and we're sort of going on to the characters here is but a little bit on plot as well i'm sorry but it's just it's the constraints of making a prequel trilogy and i understand these constraints and i totally get that this is a difficult thing but they have three three films to set up these things but it's like basically you got like yoda fighting the emperor for example yoda fights the emperor which i don't really like the action i don't really like i think yoda's better as some sort of like wise mystical figure when he starts doing this little flippy thing I just think all of his mystery goes personally. But that, I think that is <laughs> that is my personal choice. You know, I, th- I think that's maybe just me, but I just think I can't take him very seriously after that when you see his little green ass doing little somersaults and rolling around. He <laughs> basically looks like Puss in Boots in a, in a new film, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> but his fight with the Emperor, obviously he doesn't kill the Emperor. So the constraints of the trilogy means that he has to leave the Emperor not a knot of one. But it doesn't make any sense because this is genuinely, you know, he, He escapes the fight with the Emperor, goes into, and Senator Organa is driving away. And you can just imagine Senator Organa driving away and just being like, oh, did you not find him or was he not there? And you would have been like, no, no, I did fight him. I just didn't, you know, I didn't win. And just him, you know, I imagine them breaking the cart, like reversing it and just being like, get your little green ass back up in (laughs) there. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) This is do or die, dickhead. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 (laughs) this is definitely, if it's ever just a you're not coming back from this fight, you're not coming back from it. And I understand because Yoda's in the next films. And I get that. And I get that the Emperor's in the next film, so he couldn't do it. But then don't have the fight sequence. Set it up because it just, I don't get it. What, why, it doesn't make any sense. It's obvious what's going on and it makes you think about it. It's like they have to wipe C-3PO's uh, memory. Again, I get it, but it just doesn't, you know, it's just not very good. Um, a big thing as well is Obi-Wan. You know, he's got the higher ground. It just, you know, they've been somersaulting the site of, you know, as tall as skyscrapers. And doing all of these things i am not joking gav like he is he's got a meter no more than two meters of height he's on like a little hillock i'm not gonna like like basically like you would have on the side of a motorway like obi-wan is on the top of that and anakin's floating in this field of this river of lava and he's like it's the fight's over you cannot i've got the higher ground not that anakin could like go downstream like <laughs> like you know about you know like <laughs> A hundred yards. <laughs> get off there. Run along and meet him back there. you know, it turn into like them chasing around the side of a car. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd be like rolling down the the bank, trying to stop him getting off. It makes no sense. And then he does jump. Obi Wan, this is his best friend who he's been so you know conflicted, and he's you know he's killed the younglings, so he's failed as a Jedi Master. So he cuts his arms and legs off, right, and falls on the floor, and he's just like, and then he starts preaching to him he's cut this guy's arms and legs off right <laughs> he's falling towards he's crawl, crawling down this gravel towards the lava and he starts going like how oh, could you do this you idiot do you know what i mean how could you go to the dark side and he carries on when he's literally getting set on fire and burning to pieces obi-wan's still like how could you do this not just obviously what he would do is like mercy kill him or go and look after him or something but obviously, I get it, Anakin needs his arms and legs cut off and he needs to be horrifically burnt to become Darth Vader. And that's how you do it. But it's just unbelievable. It just ruins the ruins the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. It makes absolutely zero sense, especially with all of the higher ground stuff. It, it just It's a massive what is going on. And there's just tons of stuff. If we go and talk about characters, none of the characters' decisions are making sense. And you've got like Padme, who's barely in it. She's got no agency within the plot. It, it, it just... Because of the constraints of it being a trilogy, and because just like Ozzy said, there there wasn't really a massive roadmap, I don't think, for these key points between things. You know, like they knew they were gonna happen. I'm not saying they didn't know the map, but they got packed in with this big bike rides and lizards and general grievous and all this other stuff, that when it came to it, these big this this almost like handing on the baton to the next, to the original trilogy is fumbled and it doesn't make any sense yoda's just like i've failed and i'm better go it's like get no 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 bye bye obi-wan leaving anakin doesn't make any sense padme dying when she's had no part of the plot It, it it's all incompetent and that's that's the thing that runs through it you know this is the least incompetent film but it doesn't mean it's not incompetent and at the end of the day that's that's what it's lacking just basic film competency. Can I
5: add two small incompetencies to the list before they come back on them?
1: Just Very so, so small.
5: So, <laughs> incompetency in one, and I touched on that with uh, with Dave, is that Padme dies in the main trilogy. I think Luke says to Leia, oh, did you know your mum? Oh yeah, I barely remember her. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember her. She died when I was very young. In this, she dies at childbirth. There's no memory of her. So, there's a big easy fumble. And then Fumble two, I've forgotten that that one can stay. That was a, a bigger
0: one. So well, it's the, I mean, it's just fumble uh, one. At the end of the day, I'm going to let these big fumbles lie because I couldn't get away when we originally put a new hope on trial. I couldn't get away with the fact that to hide Luke Skywalker from his dad, <laughs> they thought the best place to put him. Was on his home his planet uncle. with his <laughs> uncle, his blood uncle and auntie. Like no, I couldn't get away with know, that. You're no, not getting no, away with some he's bullshit,
1: because he doesn't know he's alive. So, he's right, not yeah, alive.
0: whatever, whatever. Uh, anyway, right, <laughs> Dave, I'm going to come to you now. Uh, the, the the prosecution have been hammering blows left, right, and centre here more because uh, nobody else can get away than Uh But. <laughs> But do you, is there anything that you want to come back on there with regards to the action, the directing, anything else with regards to the script, the performances, and moving on and bringing in some of the cast and characters to the discussion as well?
2: I mean, how long have you got? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an awful lot that's been thrown at us there, and I think ma- the vast majority of that is unfair. You know, the film has its flaws, no denying it. I said myself, you know, the dialogue is is a bit ropey in places, but I think, yeah, they, you're being a bit harsh on on the Star Wars trilogy there. It it sets up the original trilogy brilliantly, which is exactly what we needed it to do. You know, that's what the fans of the of the of Star Wars turned up to see. They wanted to see. Anakin transition into Darth Vader. That doesn't mean they want that. that's all they want to see in the entire film. They don't want to see Hayden Christensen sat in the shadows looking moody and getting darker and more angry. You know, they want to see an action sequence every now and again. Do they want to see Ewan McGregor face off against a guy with four arms and a lightsaber in each hand? Absolutely, they do. That's what Star Wars is about. And I don't think the action sequences suffer from jumping around either. If you remember Return of the Jedi, the final battle sequence there, you've got Luke versus Vader in the Emperor's throne room. You've got the battle on the moon of Endor with the Ewoks versus the Imperials. And you've got the space battle, the the fighter battle going on outside. You've got three different battles running simultaneously and the action jumps around and it's engaging. You know, bear in mind, these are family films. You know, we can't stop and take ourselves too seriously at any point. This is Star Wars. It's meant to be fun. There's meant to be lasers and explosions and things. You know, this is this is fun. This is for all the family, and that's what it's got to keep you going. There's a serious plot here with Hayden Christensen's descent into into becoming Darth Vader, but at the same time, you've got to keep kids engaged. You know, we can't just have him being angsty for two hours, twenty minutes. You know, we've got to we've got to have some fights somewhere, I mean, and if that means selling a toy along the way, I'm sure George Lucas won't object. But uh, I think I think the direction is actually pretty solid. To be honest with you, I think I think really the flaw I can come back, I can agree with, is dialogue. And with that, it leads into performances, because I think that's what hampered inexperienced actors like Hayden Christensen. You know, getting the dialogue off the page can be a bit of a struggle. I don't think it's green screens, because the green screens were used excessively, sure, but with good reason. And I think George Lucas always wanted to use green screens because he wanted – he built this huge world, which we were all talking about, and he couldn't show it. Because back in the 70s, you know, he didn't have the budget to show the world out there. So it was just everything was very internal. It was all in spaceships. You know, there was always an internal wall. And when he came back and he remastered the original trilogy in the 90s, he had the budget to go back and – remove some of those walls with cgi and put in external scenes most notably in things like uh, cloud city and empire strikes back he always wanted these big cityscapes he always wanted it to be a cgi fest and now he's finally got the money and i think the green screens work he uses them like a master to be honest with you i don't think anyone else has really done green screen quite as well and i think he gets the performances out of his actors as well for the most part like i say i understand hayden christensen might not be able to get every line off the page but I think everyone else does a really good job. I think you got Natalie Portman, who we don't see as much of, because she's, she spends the whole film pretty much pregnant. You know her. We've had her moment with Anakin in episode two, and now he's on his descent to the dark side. I think if she'd been more present, he wouldn't have gone as far down that road as he did. But then her death is the final tipping point that sends him over the edge there. you uh, McGregor I think does a really good job. I thought you McGregor was one of the, the strong selling points of the prequel trilogy. I thought his performance was solid, and he he gets better every time he plays Obi-Wan. If you've seen the uh, the TV series, Obi-Wan, he's, he's a master at it. You know, he's very good at, as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's made the character his own, which when you think the original was Alec Guinness, that's no easy feat. Samuel Jackson doesn't really put a foot wrong here. He's pretty solid throughout. Ian McDiarmid is... You know, in the best possible way, scene brilliant. Talk about throwing yourself into this role. I mean, I suppose Ian McDermott, he's not really known for much else. You know, he was in Sleepy Hollow, he's done other films, but he's Emperor Palpatine. You know, that is the character he will be remembered for when he is gone. And he throws himself into this performance and it's sensational to watch. It's it's absolutely fantastic. He steals every scene he's in with just this malicious intent throughout, you know, he's, he's clearly enjoying himself. And I think the rest of the cast, you know, Jimmy Smith's as Bale Organa is a solid addition to the cast. Who doesn't enjoy Jimmy Smith? And he's not put off by a green screen or some dialogue. He knows how to get dialogue off a page. Uh, who else have we got in here? We've got Christopher Lee. It's a brief performance. You know, he again, he had his day in episode two. Good performance from him. You got the uh, the classics, Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker as R2-D2. You know, I think he retired not long after this from from the role. Uh, Frank Oz as Yoda. You know, you got the classic Star Wars cast that they were able to bring back here. And I think they, they know what they're doing. They know how to appease the fans, show them the characters they love, and tell the story that the fans expect them to be—that to, to tell. You know, we know what's going to happen. Like I said, it's like watching Titanic. You know it's got to sink. You know that Anakin has got to go to the dark side. It's how you tell that story and how you keep people entertained that is how you'll be judged whether your film is a success. And I think they took some turns down here, even though fans have done their own fan fiction and they'd ask George Lucas, oh, what happened between the, in the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin? He'd pretty much told everyone back when the original trilogy came out. He would explained what happened. And now he had to show it and to still deliver some curveballs and to give the fans a few surprises along the way. Not unpleasant ones, just like unexpected. Oh, right. So that's how that happened. That's why that person did that. I think that is why he's a master of storytelling. Just maybe, I concede, dialogue is not his forte. But when it comes to the story... He's got this nailed. He knows what he's doing.
0: Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, I, I don't know what Alex is trying to say to me here. Is it, uh, I think oh, you do. Know. Maybe the, oh, okay. I get it. Maybe the, he wants <laughs> to add in one small counter argument there, Alex.
1: Just to that last thing, you know, about like answering fan fiction or something like that. There's a great meme I saw that's basically like, you know, in the, in the first, in the new hope, Luke Skywalker says to, you know, Alec Guinness, like, Hey, did you knew my father? And, you know, Alec Guinness saying like, yes, I knew your father. I cut his arms and legs off and and let him burn in lava. That's how I knew your father. You know, it, it doesn't you know that 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 answering fan things, that's where I feel he's, like... You he's know. pretty cagey in that first, yeah, you know. Cause he is cagey, it, but do you know what I mean? If, if Luke knew the full details, he might be like, what the fuck is this? Well, all he's <laughs> he's exactly a, crazy he he is a crazy old man. He's a crazy old man.
2: Because, <laughs> I mean... It, it, he he d- mutilated do you remember my how, father. Do you remember how pissed off Luke was with Obi-Wan when he found out that Vader that's was his true. father? And that's then true. he's just like, you told me that Vader betrayed and murdered my father. And Alec Guinness yeah. goes on this whole spiel with, which ends with, so what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. <laughs> and it's it's like just, he was, Darth Vader he was said, deliberately cagey with him throughout. Darth
1: Vader said, I am your father, and it it over on seriously fucking hurt. Like it really, 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 really.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's not yeah.
0: Anyway, uh right. last closing statements. I'm just gonna give one for each of the prosecution and one for the defence because we're running out of time here. So who wants to go for the defence?
3: If you enjoy Star Wars, then you will enjoy this film. It really is as simple as that. It, what Dave kind of summed up beautifully there was, was fully correct. Like, the cast and the characters here, they've taken three films to maybe perfect it, but I think they absolutely nail it this time, especially Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think you will enjoy the action as well, the the lightsabers, the Star Wars, the, the spaceships. It, it's It's just a fun film, and it is at the end of the day, Star Wars, and that's probably one of the biggest compliments you can give it, given mm-hmm. that, given like the kind of modern sequels, which I don't really, you know, consider Star Wars, but these three films, although some of them might not be very good, they are Star Wars and they've got the heart and soul of Star Wars, You're, you'll watch it and you'll instantly be transported to those places. So I would say, give it a chance and you will definitely not regret it.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Joel. Um, so, Joel started there by saying, if you're a fan of Star Wars, famously, I'm not a fan of Star Wars, I see. Uh, <laughs> so, what would your closing statements be to <laughs> to appeal to me?
5: Well, a wise man did once uh, explain to, to us and the group that uh, one of the worst scenes in all of Star Wars is, and the most outrageous things, is Obi-Wan bringing Luke to is basically it is it, brought to his brother to, to uh, Anakin Skywalker's brother and uh, and that's how this film ends so if that's the worst scene in all of the trilogies but it happens twice and happens in this film as well so you're gonna really fucking hate it if that's I think that, if that was the worst thing you thought about New Hope you're gonna hate that because that's probably the best scene in this film and it's the same scene
0: okay thanks I Joel, I thought your closing statement was pretty shit, but fuck it, hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, don't worry, guys. You, you, you've made very, very good points throughout this. I've got a lot to think about here. You've but, got nothing to think about. It's already, already made. Oh, You'd for, right, for some again. reason, I've got a pang to put it on the shit list. Just <laughs> come um, but uh, in the meantime, while I'm thinking, let's have a little bit of a quiz. It's my turn to do the quiz this week. Uh, well, actually, it was Ozzy's turn, but I forgot. So I've uh, slapdash pulled something together. I've tried to go a little bit, not left field, but it's a Star Wars quiz. But I didn't want it to be too easy because I know that we've got some big diehard Star Wars fans in the group here. So I've tried to do more about Star Wars prequel trilogy facts and trivia. See if you guys know some of it. OK, starting off with question one. Who appeared in a cameo role in Revenge of the Sith as Baron Not-Lewiski-Papanoida, the chairman of the Moon, Pantora.
3: In the film we've just watched? In the film we've in just watched.
0: Baron Not-Lewiski-Papanoida.
3: I don't know the character name, but I know George Lucas did cameo in it, didn't he? Well did done, George Lucas. It
0: was George Lucas, and that was the character name, which... Sounded like just complete drunken gibberish. He's <laughs> <laughs> just written on a napkin there. What's <laughs> ah, I'm very down. So, George, I can't decipher this. Well, just go with what, go with whatever you think it says. <laughs> now, talking about cameos, as a favour to his daughter, Lucas cast which pop stars in cameo roles in the Attack of the Clones? Wham. Well, Tony was one. (laughs) His his daughter was a late comer to one. Uh, Some might say that they'd had their heyday, but she was a diehard fan. Uh, No, no, think of the time that it came out. So, sort of early noughties. Cheeky girls. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think anybody was a fan of the Cheeky Girls, Alex. I was. I was. <laughs> yeah, not for uh, the uh, news. so were them. you. <laughs> I mean,
2: who, was, who was big in the... NSYNC? Were they big in the other 90s? Well done, Dave. NSYNC, is it, NSYNC? it is. Is yes. Yes. Yes, NSYNC?
0: Yeah, NSYNC. <laughs> so uh, the, the two most famous members of NSYNC, Justin and Lance, were unable to film their scenes. But the other three, who. So it wasn't NSYNC, Sync. It was just the <laughs> other <quite>. three. <laughs> the, the ones who weren't busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ones who maybe haven't been as successful as the former two uh, did film two scenes, which unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at this, only made the cutting room yeah. floor. I mean, if you got oh. cut out of Attack of the cameo. I don't know if
2: that counts Jesus as a cameo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was
0: filmed, and it's probably <laughs> on some deleted footage somewhere. So t- it did I'll happen. tell you that
2: jo- Joey Fatone counts it as a cameo. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number three: Which character from the original trilogy almost made a brief cameo in this movie, sharing a scene with Yoda and helping in some small part to help secure victory?
2: Um, Ewok, no. You don't mean Chewbacca because he actually made the cut. Mm, No. George
1: Binks, no, from the original trilogy. Original original
2: trilogy. trilogy.
0: Um, (laughs) My God. (laughs) Come on, take
2: take that, take that tone with me. Um, Um, uh, Is it someone like Admiral Admiral Ackbar?
0: No, Dave. You were closer with your previous guess. Chewbacca. Yep.
2: Han Solo. Han Solo. Solo. Yes,
0: well done, Aussie. Han Solo. So a a ten-year-old, four-year-old. A well, ten-year-old. yeah a 10 year old han solo would have been raised by chewbacca originally oh, this is what george lucas wrote, and whose only line would have been i found part of a transmitter droid near the east bay i think it's still sending and receiving signals
1: what's so the chewbacca was his dad you... <laughs> is, that, <laughs> no. is that the backstory
0: of han solo <laughs> No, I think I
2: that think it changes the films completely. The important I mean? thing we've got to remember is that George Lucas wrote it and essentially crossed it out. And it didn't make yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Yep. Again,
1: yeah. if George Lucas himself thought,
0: no, that's a bad idea. This is, <laughs> this is silly, George. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. So uh, that's
0: that's the end of the questions with regards to cameos, moving on I, to cast. Sorry, oh, on, I, just, sorry. I, I
1: imagine it's a lot of like, like George Lucas just sort of waking up Completely hung over, <laughs> bottles of Jack Daniels <laughs> everywhere. Bits of, paper, bits of paper stuck to his head and one looked a bit like Jar Jar, and he's like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he just hands bits to his aides. Legs go meeting. Yeah, he's like go oh, make that. that. He's yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, so next question. you McGregor practices his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. But McGregor is related in real life to which Uh, other actor who plays a hero in the original trilogy? He's related to Dennis Lawson, who was Wedge. (laughs) He is. I I was was fascinated by that fact.
2: Yeah, the uh, Uncle and Nephew. Fascinated a bit. I was fascinated (laughs) because whenever I find out that an
0: actor has a famous family famous <laughs> relative as a family yeah yeah it, it it makes me just not like them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh no Eddie, i'm joking obviously and uh, next question number five hayden Christensen returns as anakin skywalker but originally which hollywood a-lister turned down the role in order to move away from heartthrob roles to focus on becoming a more respected actor
1: leonardo DiCaprio.
0: yes well done alex Leonardo DiCaprio and it worked out well for him just imagine what would have happened to Hayden Christian if he would have turned it down. <laughs> now question eight a line was recorded by Ian McDermott as Palpatine during the declaration of the new order where he thanked which character and why so it was removed from the final court. George Jar Yes Alex why did he thank him?
1: Because he like Got the votes, or something like that, to get him in, or something.
0: Pretty much, pretty much. He was thanked, Jar Jar, for delivering a passionate speech to the Galactic Senate and persuading them to vote in favor of giving the Chancellor emergency powers once
1: another another idea was just to have george lucas come in and just do like a middle finger up <laughs> and just say, i'm keeping him in yeah <laughs> i told you i liked him i made him he's in it
0: <laughs> so, yeah like, if as if fans didn't have enough reasons to <laughs> hate George topics from the phantom menace <laughs> george lucas just wanted to really twist the knife in there
1: i bet what, what was the actor called didn't he because didn't like Act my best get trolled? yeah he actually got trolled in a lot of yeah really? well not yeah. not for like,
2: the not for the extra uh, new powers for the chancellor bit but uh, no no i know but how could you you help alderan died because of you
0: (laughs) question number nine speaking about that particular scene it was written by lucas after he was inspired by a similar scene in which cinematic masterpiece once again this (laughs) it does kind of ring true alex's description before by waking up Maybe <laughs> from a late night watching certain films should be like, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, we'll have this scene. Flash Gordon. Now, does anybody remember the scene in question? As he's delivering this speech, a number of things are happening to the Jedi.
2: Oh, his oh, Godfather.
0: Well done, Dave. Yes, yeah. it is the baptism scene from the Godfather. Alex is not just his eyes, his entire head rolled. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he was inspired after watching The Godfather to include that scene. And question number 10, and the last question of the round. Sorry, guys. For a long time, Revenge of the Sith held the Guinness World Record for featuring the most what in one movie?
5: Like amputation. Uh, (laughs) savers.
0: Both good guesses, but no. Ozzy, you touched upon it earlier, one of your main criticisms. Plot
2: holes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say is it something like screen wipes or something? But it, no, I can't. Be oh, no, no.
3: Okay, green screen screens, fonts.
2: they plan it to the
0: most most planets in a film. No, no. I, I'll, I'll give it to Joel. He sort of touched upon it there when he said green screen. It's number of digital visual effects shots. It had two thousand one hundred and fifty-one separate scenes that used special effects which was beaten in 2011 by a Bollywood movie called Ra 1, which boasted over 3,500 shots. And that held the record until 2015, when it was beaten by another Bollywood movie called Bahubali, The Beginning, (laughs) which contains around 4,500 visual effects shots, which is just fucking ludicrous. Anyway... Uh, you'll be happy to hear that just so I'm, adding, I'm just adding up the <laughs> scores now, and it looks like Dave has won with three out of five. Well done, Dave. Um, three out of i I'm
5: glad we don't give our um, trophies for this because Dave's gonna need another room just
0: to. yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll actually, be as well. I missed I missed out two questions, so so you guys have got it in for a chance of winning. I'm just gonna edit <laughs> these in later on. <laughs> Question six. Surprisingly, the shots of Mustafa aren't entirely all CGI and actually used real-life footage, albeit tweaked with CGI, of where?
3: Are we Are we talking a country here? Or? Hey, no. A
0: specific place.
2: Uh, the Grand Canyon or something? No. no. Uh,
0: Mount the, Vesuvius. Very close. Mount Etna. Yes, well done, Dave. Mount Etna, which was erupting during the time that it was filming. So they basically filmed oh, real-life footage just, of Mount I mean, Etna. Joel,
2: Joel did a lot of the legwork on that.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give Joel <laughs> the point there. And question number seven, Darth Sidious did something unusual that he hadn't done to that point and hasn't done since. What was it? Up to what point? Up to the point of this film. So he hadn't, in the previous films that Darth Sidious was in, he hadn't done this particular thing. And, we Use a lightsaber. Well done, Dave. It is. Use a lightsaber. Yeah, it was, fans were like, what? What's going on? Why is he not doing his lightning fingers? <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, yeah, that's it. That is the quiz. Uh, guys, doing my research for this quiz, I took a 50-question Star Wars quiz, And I am very, very unhappy to find out that I scored 78% on that quiz. well done. Um, Well done. No, it's nothing to be proud of. Before (laughs) we started doing this podcast, I had limited to no knowledge of Star Wars. And I was (laughs) able to answer questions like, where was fucking Uncle Ben's
2: (laughs) Space Igloo? You you know it's Uncle Owen. You know full well (laughs) it's Uncle Owen. (laughs) Uh, Okay, right oh
0: verdict tough one to be honest guys tough one so it sounds like it does have a really great opening and the plot the overall plot I would say of Anakin's descent into the dark side does sound very very interesting something that we had been looking forward to as an audience the prosecution argued that we already knew the outcome though but I did really like the defense's counter that it doesn't really matter you know we knew what was going to happen in Titanic it's more about how the story is told Great point, Joel. Bit late; should have come a bit earlier. <laughs> what both sides send it, do
1: send it to us. <laughs>
0: time. What both sides do agree on, though, is that the film does suffer with some really, really poor dialogue. Joel, even the good bits of dialogue that you were hitting at earlier, so I'd appreciate, to be honest and perhaps also a poor performance from its lead actor as well. Maybe that's because of the writing. Maybe it's because they were working with a lot of green screen or CGI characters. Maybe it's the performer themselves, but if it relates to your main character, that can massively impact your film. It does sound like some of the characters don't have enough screen time as well, especially Padme, which is a little disappointing. But the characters that do get screen time, are very well performed by the rest of the cast it sounds like it didn't sound like the prosecution had too many disagreements there the prosecution however argued that the film and anakin's arc felt a bit rushed but the defense countered that actually his character arc is laid out quite well throughout the trilogy maybe not so much so in phantom menace but definitely in attack of the clones where we see several glimpses of what he will become it does sound like George Lucas did as many flips as Yoda here whilst writing the script, trying to connect all of the dots, but it does sound like he did just enough to connect most of the dots. And it does sound like that there's far too much CGI in green screen as well. I know like some of that information is coming from my quiz, but it sounds like there's just too fucking much. However, It does sound like this film packs a hell of a lot of a punch. Just you guys talking about what happened. You kept on mentioning things that nobody else had raised before. Lightsaber jewels where Obi-Wan and Anakin, very fast-paced action and thrilling. Obi-Wan fighting a guy with four arms. Count Dooku, Mace Windu being murdered. Palpatine's emergence and murdering nearly all the Jedis. A battle in an active volcano. Anakin finally turning into Vader. Padme dying. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on here and it sounds all very exciting. Maybe it is the case, as he was saying, that it is a bit too much for one film, but I would rather have too much than in, in The Phantom Menace, where we didn't have enough at all. And although it does sound like the film maybe does have some of its own issues, George Lucas related, it does sound like it does a good job of remedying some of the biggest faults of the previous two films and setting up quite nicely for the original trilogy. So with that in mind, I can tell (laughs) this isn't going to go down too well with some people, but I am going to place it on the hit list. (laughs) okay so genuine opinions we'll start with joel joel you picked this film is it as good as you remember well, you, you said initially that it's not even a guilty pleasure it's just a plain
3: old pleasure <laughs> yeah it is it's a plain old pleasure for me i watch it like not all the time but you know once a week or something like that <laughs> no <laughs> like yeah I, I i enjoy it like as i said before it's it's star wars and it's just it yeah like that does it for me okay thank you very much dave um yeah it's it's okay
2: it's okay um i think when i when i first saw it i hated it i really did but a lot of time has passed and ryan johnson has shown us how to truly fuck up a star wars film (laughs) so by comparison this one actually is, is, is all right. It's it's pretty good. Um yeah, I think the dialogue is is a key factor. Even George Lucas admits he can't do dialogue. And the dialogue is woeful. And that does hamstring a couple of the actors, the more inexperienced ones, Alex and Ozzy were absolutely right on that point. I think, like Ozzy said though, there's a glimmer of truth to everything I was saying. And I'd like to think there was. I wasn't I wasn't bullshitting at any point. I was just maybe, you know, cranking that handle a little couple more times than it needed to be cranked. It would edge onto the hit list for me. It would. It was, I think it's on the right list. It would just about edge it on there, but it, it's close. It's close. And with you not being a Star Wars fan, uh, you may you may question yourself on this one, Gav. Mm. Okay. Right.
3: Well. Although, for... coming from the back of Doom, will he question himself?
2: <laughs> well, there you go.
3: You've, now you've raised that one.
0: Should he question
2: himself or... <laughs> <laughs> We all
3: know he won't.
0: <laughs> okay. Ozzy, what's your genuine opinion on this?
5: It... Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're wrong. I think it should have been on the shit list, to be honest with you. I think it's like I said, it had all the promise of being a good film. It had a great story, a good classic, you know, classic story of uh, of the baddie being being turned into it. And I just think it missed the mark so often. Um, I, I, it was just it was almost laughable some of the bits. You know, Alex nailed it with the the dialogue. It just took all the gravitas away, and it just. Um, I think it spoiled so many great scenes or so many potentially great scenes for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's shitless for me.
0: Oof, okay. Right. <laughs> Alex, I don't imagine you're <laughs> going to disagree with your fellow prosecutor there. Right
1: now. No, uh, no I, 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 you know, it, it, it's Star Wars, you know, the range of a Sith. I'm not going to get too, you know, too upset and angry about what you've done gav do you know what i mean i'm not <laughs> I'm a, i'll get over it in a few weeks uh but it's definitely definitely on the wrong list for me okay uh i think i i think in a way because the first two films are so like abysmally cosmically bad you sort of just get put into another world it's almost the fact that this film approaches being just like a coherent plot that you just see the cracks and everything mm-hmm. it's just it's just a very incompetently made film and it's weird because there's some good input that someone's had there so there's some really good there's a really good film knocking around within this film but like you know like Ozzy said there's just no there's no drama in his descent into becoming and and I think you will I think you will see the extent to which Hayden Christensen's performance tanks any drama and 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 I really don't think you know I saw him in something else I can't remember what it was and he was brilliant he was really really good but I just think George Lucas cannot if he can't get a good performance out of Terence Stamp do you know what I mean then a new a newbie coming along isn't going to be so good and uh yeah for for me Revenge of a Sif squarely squarely on the shit list for me but um I, I'd say I'd be interested to know what you think Gav but I'm I'm 100 percent certain. What you'll think i think watching this
0: mm, okay right so am i wow Funny okay uh, was that film shattered glass by any chance it's the one where he's a uh
1: journalist yeah 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 yeah, so, like, yeah 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 it's really very good, good isn't it yeah uh, yeah very good yeah anyway
0: uh ha, looking forward to watching it this weekend you know higher <laughs> or lower than our previous film on tri- on trial which was the critically underappreciated and audiencely, visually, <laughs> also also underappreciated by the masses as well. It was Doom, which scored eighteen and thirty four percent critical and audience ratings. I mean,
1: I mean, I said all of that about it, and I meant it, but it's it's still much better than Doom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it is Star Wars at the end. <laughs> of yeah, the day. Oh, you know, yeah, George
2: yeah. Lucas could sneeze on on the camera, and people yeah. still love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, well, you're all right. It's Sixty-six
0: percent audience and seventy-nine percent critical. So, yeah, um
1: I think that says a lot for for just how bad the first two films. Are, <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really, really like they yeah. were so if they were just made up to have like been able to come out without some sort of like migraine, and you know, and under to understood what's going on. That yeah. yeah, I think I'm... just gratitude that he'd made. A film after two, it's watchable. Of it. Do you know and I think, you know, and I think like, also the
2: fact that you know you sat through, you'd learn all, all about all these new characters and watch them for two films, and you didn't like them. There's no character development. At least about seventy percent of them are killed in this film. So everyone or like, was know, just like oh, mutilated. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, except Jar remember- Jar. Except yeah. Jar Jar. I do remember yeah. Joel saying back in the day uh, that when we went to go watch the we went to watch this together actually in the cinema. And he was like, you know, it would have been better if it was two hours 20 of them just torturing and mutilating <laughs> Jar <Jar-Jar> Jar. <Picks." laughs> <laughs> making that little, uh, yeah, the chat screen.
0: So. Well thank you very much for all your arguments guys really do appreciate it not looking forward to watching this myself but you know needs must however our guilty pleasures season continues in 2 weeks time when it's Alex's turn and Alex has picked the 1991 action drama starring the world's most handsome actor Kate Russell that's right it's Backdraft yeah yeah Backdraft it sounds uh, yeah. like like it could be some sort of cleaning product uh, done by uh, <laughs> JML, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh so yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this episode. We really, really do appreciate everybody who listens to these episodes. If you want more content from us, check us out on filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on all of the socials at FilmTrials on Twitter, Films on Trial on everything else, and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So, what have we learned today? Well, we've learned that maybe. Ozzy and Alex have been cranking it a little too hard, <laughs> and also, I really, after Alex's description earlier, I really, really want to see a remake of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas starring Jimmy Smith and Yoda.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but ultimately, we've learned that Revenge of the Sith is a hit, and we're no, we, we haven't. No. Well, but, uh, <laughs> in right. writing, it is. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, and uh, yeah, we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks' time with Backdraft. Goodbye.
3: <laughs> I think, like, the the worst part about getting on a motorway, like, when you're learning, it is just getting used to, like, the slip roads, like yeah we'll joining be... in the motorway yeah, i'd yeah. just say it's getting that's on the, the fucking thing. i know that's yeah, bit yeah, of shit myself
1: yeah. about
2: it. once yeah. you're on him it's like it's fine it's very yeah. fine i'll be all right
1: or alone
0: so yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be right. <laughs> re- <Yeah>. re- <laughs> you'll be ready <laughs> re-
2: <laughs> and we never heard from him again <laughs> <laughs> the, the alex bruce memorial <laughs> episode
1: <laughs> this week you might have noticed alex <laughs> Alex hasn't joined us this week. That's because he died in a fiery crash in Norway.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> Bat drowned What's the Bat Draft? <laughs>